Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Exurga Deus disipentur de nimicieus et fugiancio deruntehum a facie eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let all those who hate him flee from before his face. If you notice that there aren't really any TV shows or movies worth watching, it's because of one core thing. There are a dozen or so types of plot lines, the archetypes of storytelling. And if you look, you can actually tell whenever they break from these archetypes of storytelling because you get such disasters like the Star Wars sequel trilogy. You get such horrendous television like pretty much anything that's coming out on Netflix or... Uh, most of the new stuff that's coming out on Amazon um, or any of the other places where, in all honesty, we probably shouldn't even be bothering. <clears throat> but you got to be careful with these, t- with these um, archetypal stories because what makes them interesting are the nuance, the differences, the, the types of conflict. Because there are a myriad forms of conflict but they still, when you're trying to tell a good story, is only going to fall into about a dozen or so catalog or uh, categories. And for those who are wondering why there's just no good entertainment anymore, no good storytelling anymore, it's because they've broken from these. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic and an entirely different type of episode. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Archangelo, defende nos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias diaboli est opraecidium. Imperatili Deus, supplicas de precamor, tuque princeps militae calestis, satra maliosque spiritus malignos que ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute in infernum detrude. Amen. Cordiesus Sacratissima, miserere nobis, Mater Dolorosa, ora pro nobis, Beatis Carolus Domo Austriae, 
ora pro nobis. And whoever happens to be the saint, the patron saint of storytellers, pray for us. Unfortunately, I don't know off the top of my head. In nomine Patris et Fili et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. So, <clears throat> how can we get started? All right. If you're taking time out and you're looking for good stories to tell, one of the really nice things is that the archetypal stories, by and large, have been covered by most of the lives of the saints. And so it's incredibly important to try and get as much of that into your system as possible. And that's obviously because the saints themselves, all being friends of God, manage to follow the same arcs that are necessary. And <clears throat> you're talking about arcs that are necessary effectively for salvation, for the promotion of heroic, uh, excuse me, heroic virtue, um, or just heroism in general. When you deviate from that, it should typically be in the overall arch of a story where maybe you're only taking a, se a segment of that. So, for example, one of my favorite things about the more typical redemption arc is you can start it at pretty much any point in the story. So, for example, Doctor Strange probably one of my favorite characters in all of comic books just because his whole story is that he was an arrogant sod. He cared very little about anything but himself. And he gets thrown into this position where he himself is destroyed and he has to actually relearn the virtues that actually make a good person good. And he struggles with it through the course of most of the comic books that are written about him. Now, I'm not, I haven't read a whole bunch of it, but when you dip in all these stories here and there, I notice these very similar parallels where he's finding something new about himself that he still kind of needs to fix. And so he's constantly undergoing the redemption arc. And for me, an inveterate sinner for so much of my life, this is an absolutely appealing story type. You have... One of the reasons why origin stories, in particular the origin stories for Batman, are so popular is because there is that same sort of story arc. You have this person who undergoes immense tragedy, is absolutely lost, has nowhere to go, and then has to find his way, fighting against all of the challenges along the way, and of course also having to combat his own inner demons because these wounds were so deep that he has to, act that, that he has to spend the time trying to heal from them at the same time while being extraordinarily heroic even if it is sort of in a uh, decidedly unchristian way, because, of course, beating people half to death in the middle of the night is maybe not the best way to go about being heroic. <clears throat> but those origin stories, like um, The Sword in the Stone, like The Lord of the Rings, um, you know, Frodo's story, Samwise's story, all of the stories in there. And one of the things that makes those big epic stories so awesome is that every one of the characters has to undergo changes. They have to undergo development. They have to learn lessons from hardship. And this is true with everything. I mean, you could take it to, like, The Last Starfighter, which is kind of a sword in the stone, it, actually. And they make a not-too-subtle nod 
to the sword in the stone when they say, oh yeah, he, you know, this guy tried it earlier with the Excalibur test. These things, these story types are archetypal for a reason. So, boy meets girl, they fall in love, etc. Um, Tristan and Isolde, Arthur and his knights, the sword and the stone, the, in, the first six, actually I would say the first six movies of Star Wars, which is to say the prequels, the original trilogy, and then I would add in Rogue One because it was a very good, um, it was a very good story also told in there and they kind of, and they wove it in there rather beautifully where you have, where you have in this case a female who suddenly, who suddenly has to, who suddenly comes to the realization that she does actually care. <clears throat> All of these stories, and in 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 particular, the things that make them Christian stories is that you have someone who is wounded and focused entirely on themselves and have decided that they're only going to take care of their, their selves. And then they open up into a broader world and they realize that there are right things that they have to do. The traditional love stories... They're traditional love stories for a reason. Tristan and Isolde. The sto- the, I can't speak too much to the movies because I never saw the movies. But the story of Tristan and Isolde is that Tristan comes across Isolde. He falls in love with her. He's enamored with her. He's infatuated with her. And he wants to win her over. And so he goes through all of these trials and he's beating up everybody and he's doing it and he's... he's perfectly the heroic man and this that and the other right and then she says well if you really would lo- if you really loved me you would lose for me that's huge you're talking you're talking about a knight who suddenly who suddenly finds himself in a position where he now has to sacrifice the valor and the honor and the accolades and all of those things and he does so for the love of this woman. Now, of course, the nice thing is, is that just before he's actually fully disqualified, she's like, okay, you can start winning now. And after he's taken an immense beating, he comes back and he wins. These types of stories are woven into the fabric of who we are. And you see them. Because you have stories of the fall from grace. You have stories of the redemption. You have you have all of these stories. And they're woven into and, and they're woven into sacred scripture. They're woven they're woven into our DNA, even even with the pagan Greek mythologies. They are woven into us. And they're woven into us because they are essentially the twelve ways that fully express the human condition. And there's really only, like, the people change, the circumstances change, maybe you're in space, maybe you're sailing the seven seas, maybe you're just sitting in an office, but the story itself remains the same. If it seems predictable sometimes, it's because it might be because the writers, you know, they took a little bit too much from something that you already knew. You can add the twists and the turns. Your characters are always supposed to take beatings. They are supposed to take beatings so that they can become better. And better doesn't necessarily mean more powerful, more strong. 
Sometimes it's simply you're you're devas you're grievously wounded, you're maimed, and now you still have to carry on. And it is in those stories. It is in those stories that we take the most pleasure. And you can subvert a story only so far because what you're really doing is maybe you're only telling a portion of the story. Maybe you're telling the story of a maybe you're telling the story of your protagonist all the way up to his fall. And then you stop right at the lowest point. But if you follow the path of the story, it follows the same arc. It just, you know, they cut it off before you get to the end. And this was best done in modern in modern storytelling by the movie The Empire Strikes Back. Luke is beaten. He's maimed. He's told a horrible truth. And that's how they end the story. He's lost. His his friend has been taken by bounty hunters, probably to certain death. He he is wounded and maimed. Everyone, and you have the heartbreak in that story. And that's part of what actually made this story so good was that it didn't immediately go to, okay, now he's the superstar. You sort of intellectually know there's some time that goes by. Of course, it takes time to come out with the next movie. And they carry it forward. They carry the story forward. And you get to see Luke. You see Luke start as a farm boy, some kid out, some kid out in the sticks, corner of no and where. Get caught up in a story that's way bigger than himself. Gets his idealism challenged. Gets his sense of adventure challenged. He suddenly finds out that things are a lot more complicated than he thought. But they don't go through that whole thing in the in the first movie. You get it piece by piece. And you get the full brunt of it in The Empire Strikes Back. And then you get him as the risen hero in Return of the Jedi. All of the best stories do these same type of arcs. A good murder mystery is still going to follow challenging what the protagonist believes. Even though, even if he's the one trying to solve the crime and this, that, and the other, and he's being thwarted. Or maybe he gets shot, or maybe he gets wounded, He decides, and, and he spends a period of time, he's not too sure he wants to keep going. You get another type of story, another movie actually, conveniently, with Harrison Ford, Blade Runner. He's done. He's finished. He's beaten. He doesn't really, like you could tell, he's just kind of wandering with his life because it's just how he is. Called back in to, to solve this last mystery. And that last mystery challenges everything that he believes. These are the kinds of stories that compel us. They're challenges, but they but the stories do still come to a closure. Maybe it's not the closure you would have liked, and of course you do get some of that here and there. But those stories, the 12 archetypal stories 
involve development. Young and naive, or new, or whatever, has everything, you know, has an outlook that seems to serve them well, is challenged, has to be fought for. Maybe it's, maybe the perspective has to change. You know, you get the shorter stories like The Last Starfighter, and The Last Starfighter is actually one of my favorites because it's very much the Arthur story. Like, it's like it's the, it's the Once and Future King story. It's a story of triumph. It's a, it's a story of someone who doesn't really know if they have the medal rising to the occasion and then, be, and then becoming the hero. Sometimes, like Batman, and one of the things I enjoyed about what they did with Batman, with uh, the Chris Nolan Batman series, is he's becoming, he is, and then he has to sacrifice it to do the right, to actually do the right thing. And he, and he lives long enough to find himself to become the, the villain. And then there's still a redemption arc. And all of those things are still integrated. They're all still there. And they're in, they're tied into every one of the stories you love. And whether it's irreverent and degenerate like Deadpool, or it's driven from a it's driven entirely from a source of piety like the Lord of the Rings, or somewhere in the middle. All of those stories. Have some place you start, something you're challenged with, something you overcome. That's that's what the human condition is actually all about. You read about people going through midlife crises and stuff like that, and it is specifically because at some point we just stopped putting people through the rites of passages that they really needed to become who it is that they're supposed to be. And we've lost our anchor point knowing that the way the way stories are told is the way human life is in fact supposed to advance. And I don't mean human life like the overarching all of the all of the species, I'm talking about every single person. There need to be rites of passage. There need to be challenges that we face. And sometimes they're debilitating challenges. Sometimes it's way more than, you know, you you and your significant other break up and it and it, you know, it ends bloody and you're trying to figure out a way to put your life back together. Vis-a-vis um I think it, I think the movie was called Hope Floats. But the story arc, and here's the kicker, the story arc is the same for the original trilogy of Star Wars as it is for um, Miss Congeniality, the movie, the movie where Sandra Bullock plays an F- FBI agent. The story is the same. The arc is the same. And that's the thing. The story arc is the same whether you're talking about the movie The Devil Wears Prada 
or you're talking about The Last Starfighter. These are the stories that compel. Your arc basically travels the, and I'm not even joking, I can take it to the furthest extreme. <clears throat> the Last Starfighter and Legally Blonde. The parallels in the human story are the same. They're separated by 20 years. They're not even the same genre. They're not even close to the same genre. But the parallels are the same. You follow the protagonist, who's got a set set of ideas, moves out into the world, gets wrecked, adjusts their perspective, and tackles all of those challenges from the new perspective using the talents that God gave them through their formation, through their education as they came up in order to overcome in an unexpected manner. Those are the compelling stories. The stories that are not like that are like the prequel series where, where you set up Anakin Skywalker as he, as he comes up and whether or not you actually like the the prequel movies the fact is is that it's still good storytelling even if they bit off a little even if they bit off a little bit more than they could actually fit into the movies because i think in all honesty there should have they needed more time to tell those stories but you start with a kid from the corner of no and where who has all of these high expectations ascends as far as they believe they can go or as far as other people believe that they should go and then falls only to be redeemed in Return of the Jedi in that moment when they realize that there was something in them that where they managed to betray everything it is that they thought they were in the first place and they've returned to that first cause And in the case of and in the case of Star Wars with Anakin Star with Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader, it takes longer. But doesn't it take longer for some of us than say it does for someone like Doctor Strange, who always thought it was about him, who saw the talents and flouted them and and flaunted them in front of everybody. only to fall and end up having to rebuild. The other span is Spider-Man. Spider-Man is famous for never letting Peter Parker breathe. He thinks he's got everything and he loses it. He wants nothing more to the, than to live the comfortable, normal life. In fact, one of the reasons why Spider-Man is as popular as he is is because Spider-Man is truly the all-American kid. And I'm going to say kid because we all see it. He's given this... <clears throat> it's an accident, but he's given this great power. He's got to figure the whole thing out. He messes up a whole bunch along, along the way. He finally settles into his groove. He thinks he settles into his groove and 
It's gone. Taken from him. Either taken from him or he's put in a position where he has to give it up. Why is Spider-Man compelling? In America, because that is basically the story of America. Because sometimes to be the good guy, you just have to walk away. Because sometimes... (laughs) Most times... It's really not about you. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, I use a lot of superhero and fantasy and, and stuff like that. Um, and it's because... In the context of the rom-com, I'm not the biggest fa- I'm not the biggest fan of rom-coms. But the story arcs are still there. And when I when I was younger, I hate it when I get a knock at the door and then I have to hit pause and I have to try and remember exactly what it was I was saying. <clears throat> oh yes. He's the perfect image of the American kid. 
particularly since the 20th century. Because since the 20th century, so many of us have been given so much. We had everything, the world at our fingertips. It's only been in the United States, it's only really been in the United States of America where you can put your mind to something and you can do it. You want to become the President of the United States? You can do so. God bless you. Hope you repent. You want to be a plumber? An astronaut? A pilot? An accountant? A lawyer? A doctor? A comic book artist? You could do it. And every one of those jobs comes with some level of responsibility that, for the most part, particularly in the latter half of the 20th century, pretty much since the 1960s, nobody was ready for the responsibility that came with it. And what happened? Well, in truth, we got an entire generation of the Green Goblin. We got an entire generation of people who were literally there to create the Joker or the Riddler. We got an entire generation who were there and they were Lex Luthor. And if you notice, I'm kind of hanging around the comic books because the comic books can say stuff that you really can't say anywhere else. And Lex Luthor was powered by two things, envy and fear. He envied Superman and he feared because he did not believe that there should be gods among men. And so while he was incredibly intelligent and he was incredibly wealthy, depending on the version of Lex Luthor that you get, the fact is, is that it was the envy of Superman, the idea that there could be someone who is good, the idea that there could be somebody who was indomitable, Invincible, unkillable, both a person and the symbol of goodness. Because remember, Superman's big mantra thing was always truth, justice, and the American way. I mean, until recently, until woke, until wokeism took over comic books, and now, now who knows? But guaranteed, the archetype that everybody knows is much more is much more close to to the Christopher Reeves or the Henry Cavill presentation of Superman where he is just that good. And when you deviate from that, when you try to fit, when you, when you try to make strong independent women, and I'm specifically saying women versus women, because, because here's the thing. It's not to say that there aren't good archetypes for strong women. In fact, the opposite is true. And if you're Catholic, of course you know this, the archetype for the the most strong woman in the history of the Catholic Church is, is the Blessed Mother. And maybe she's not Wonder Woman in her presentation. She's better. The Blessed Mother endures more than Wonder Woman ever would. Ever could. Period. Full stop. No woman in the history of mankind has endured as much as the Blessed Virgin Mary. 
But it's not even like the Blessed Virgin Mary's presentation of femininity is the only one. Because I would argue that even Jezebel, and here's the thing, when you look in sacred scripture, women who were the epitome of womanhood are named. Even if, even if they're on the wrong side of history, the epitome of womanhood is named in sacred scripture. For all of the various facets, whether it's Jezebel or Delilah, whether it's Bathsheba or the Blessed Mother, whether it's Mary, the wife of Clopas, all or Priscilla, all of the women who espouse virtues, the virtues of femininity, they're named. And so, yeah, Jezebel, evil, evil witch, got it. No big deal. We got it. But she used her femininity to the max in the way that it should be used. When you think about it, because, and here's the thing. Here's how you know God was willing to honor her even, even, if, even if she ends up actually burning in hell. And I wouldn't be surprised if she was. But here's how you know that God honored her on earth. Because whether you like her or don't, she was of her people, protecting her heritage. And so whether it's Jezebel or Esther or Ruth or Rebecca, whether it's Sarah or any, any named woman in sacred scripture, even much to the chagrin of all, the mother of mankind, Eve. So whether it's Deborah of Geburah and Barak fame, or Delilah, <laughs> or Jezebel, or Esther, Ruth, Judith, or the Blessed Virgin Mary, or Mary Magdalene, or any of the myriads of others of the women who were named in Scripture. They were named in Scripture because they weren't weak. Because you could say whatever else, like, you know, disoriented, diabolically, you know, diabolically deceived or whatever. You can make whatever argument, but the fact is, is that all of those women weren't weak. I would say with one exception in the Acts of the Apostles. And it was very much to make a point. Everyone else is, you know, the wife of so-and-so, or well, actually, typically, the wife of so-and-so. Never named. And the reason why I say, like, Wonder Woman most definitely has a place in strong, in strong, independent women. Women, not women. is because of the likes of Judith and Deborah and Esther. <clears throat> when you try to create out of nothingness a strong independent person, what ends up happening is it shows. Their storyline makes no sense. 
They don't do the things that people tend to do because the people who are trying to create that story don't have any idea how to anchor it. They don't have any idea whatsoever what the actual true path of a human being is in their life. And in part, I got to tell you, that's because of the last that's because of the last generation of the 20th century. The baby boomers. The ones who decided that they were going to feed their own largesse using the lar- using what was supposed to be the largesse of their children and their grandchildren. They decided that it was all about them. And so they promoted women's liberation and they promoted abortion and they promoted all of these stupid things that have no anchoring in reality because they wanted to go the other way because they thought they knew better than God and they were able to con the majority of their own generation into believing it. They drank the Kool-Aid and they enjoyed it. Because the Kool-Aid they were drinking wasn't the Kool-Aid of Jonestown where they were committing suicide. It was the Kool-Aid of the likes of Margaret Sanger. The ones who were willing to take time to destroy. And so, they didn't necessarily destroy themselves, but so that they could carry forward in their own comfort. They had less children. They promoted the murder of children. They made less sacrifice. And they took loans loans out against not themselves, but their children. And their children, the ones who actually think that this is the way to go, those are the ones who are absolutely incapable of understanding that there is one infallible, immovable, irrefutable, invincible, indomitable truth. And that truth governs the natural order It governs their psyches, their composition, the biological composition of all life on earth, the physiological, the physical composition of the entire universe. One truth. And that one truth wrote the story arc for all of our lives. And we can either choose to be the heroic ones who even though we die at the end of our of each of our own stories we're still redeemed or we can be or we can choose to be the weak ones who refuse to ever submit to the idea that there is truth and we can fall like one of the great princes in many of the stories where people fall Or maybe they were never that good to begin with. Because you do have to remember, in stories, especially in particular stories like the big epic features like Star Wars or the Lord of the Rings, there are irredeemable characters in all of those stories. So the orcs and the trolls 
Wormtongue and Saruman. Emperor Palpatine, most of the Imperium. And for whatever reason, they refuse to see that they need to be redeemed, that there needs to be, that they need to see something beyond that which is full, solely so focused on themselves. The choice is yours. And that's the point of all of these stories. The choice is yours. You can be the Luke Skywalker. Yeah, maybe you can't move things with your mind. Maybe there's no such things as lightsabers. But you can be the Luke Skywalker or the Han Solo. Or you can be the Jabba the Hutt. The biggest tragedy that we have in today's in today is that there are people who fail to understand that when they're telling a story, that's how things go. There are a finite number of story arcs. The details vary. They vary infinitely. You want to tell the story on the moons of Jupiter? You can. You want to tell the story in an underground cave in the center of the Earth? You can. You want to tell the story a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, ten thousand years ago, or whatever made up time that you want to make up, you can. If you want to tell the story today or a thousand years into the future, you can. And all of those elements will be present in some form or another. The elements that make good storytelling are the elements that call us to be our best selves. And the best of those stories don't introduce silly little things like heresy or blasphemy. I can tell you it doesn't have to be this way. That's really kind of the key thing. There are no new stories to tell. Sacred scripture told us in the book of Ecclesiastes that there is nothing new under the sun. You can dress it up with new window dressing, but they are always the same stories. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, he actually outlines many of the main stories. The race doesn't always go to the swift, nor the battle to the strong. Nor wealth to the wise. But time and chance govern the outcome. But you know what time and chance don't govern? Time and chance do not govern the quality of the individual. And so great individuals can endure tremendous misfortune. And when they do, those are stories worth telling. I wish I had the talent to write a story on my own. And when I say the talent, I really wish that I had the dedication to actually make sure that it all made it to the page. Because one of the things that made storytelling so important to me was that at my lowest, of all things, I was introduced to a game where the mechanics were less important than the story being told. And the mechanics were there Time and chance were there, without a doubt. But they were subservient to the story being told. 
And it was then in that game, and it is actually literally in the rule book of that game, where they tell you that there are a specific number of story arcs that you can use, that you have to be very careful about how you use them, and, and you have to bring enough freshness to each of them. But there are a finite number of stories to tell. A finite number of stories to tell. Only about 12. 12 major portions of a story that cover the entire arc of a chronicle of a life well lived, of a game well played. Like I said, it's a different, <laughs> a different type of podcast episode today. And I think it mostly has to do with the fact that I was watching a podcast earlier where they were talking about the intellectual property that is being abused by big woke corporations because they refuse. They refuse to pay respects to the people who have already done it. And rather than doing it themselves... By making new content, they buy the old content that has these major that have these major followings, and then they try to introduce all their own crap. As is what is largely coming out of Disney, and has been coming out of Disney for the last couple of years. As they work through the auto demolition of every franchise and every piece of intellectual property that was worth it to people like me when I was a child, and possibly even people like you, just destroying all of the old tales, obliterating it. And it's a shame, because the reason why they're obliterating it is because evil cannot create. This is an adage that actually came um, from J.R.R. Tolkien in The Lord of the Rings. Evil doesn't create, the only thing it can do is mutilate and desecrate good. Be ready for the drought. It seems to already be here. I've not found one piece of fiction writing, whether it's historical fiction or fantasy fiction or science fiction or whatever, I've not found one piece of writing in the last several years that's even that's worth it at all except rogue one and it is a low down dirty shame that that was the only story since they finally wrapped up the avengers it was the only story and when I say they finally wrapped up the Avengers, I'm talking about all the actual good movies that came out, the ones that had people filling the theaters. Since then, since, uh, what was it, Endgame? Everything's been crap. And it's been crap on every level, in every category, from every studio. Whether it's the Netflix studios in Atlanta, or major Hollywood studios like Paramount or whatever, it's all been largely crap. 
And I got to be perfectly honest with you. Producers like Pure Flix, if you're going to keep doing Christian stuff, then you better get Catholic. Because a lot of that blasphemy has got to stop. Maybe there's a Catholic storyteller out there. It doesn't have to be J.R.R. Tolkien. Just has to understand the basic mechanics of storytelling. And maybe just be a little Catholic. Be oriented and anchored in truth. As I said, I would do it myself, but I apparently lack tremendous discipline. And I'm not even entirely, and I'm entirely too wounded to be able to tell any decent stories myself. Plus, I mean, where am I going to start? Who knows? If you know, send me an email. Caleb at RadioFreeCatholic.com. You can DM me on Twitter at Mighty Colibri. You can find me on SP3RN at Caleb the Mechanic. If you have ideas. In the meantime, this is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.